Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 273rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You are way to worthy, worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here once again with you guys today as... Earlier in the week, we had the chance to speak with former Carolina basketball player and national champion Marcus Ginyard. And today, I'm bringing you a conversation with former Carolina basketball player and, of course, a rotating member of the Tar Heel Sports analyst, uh, Pete Chilcutt, who was filling in as the game analyst uh, role this season uh, as Eric Montross, as we all know, continues to battle his fight with cancer. Um, so I had the chance to to talk to um, one of my dad's favorite Tar Heel players growing up, which that was kind of neat. We got a chance to talk about the start of the season, broadcasting journey, um, stories of Hubert Davis, Eric Montross, among other different Carolina basketball topics. So I'm not going to keep you waiting. Let's dive right into that conversation with former Carolina basketball player Pete Chilcutt. I am now joined by former Carolina basketball player Pete Chilcutt. Pete, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today? Great. I am doing great. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you uh, carving some time out of your day. When I told um, when I told my dad that I was bringing you on, he got pretty excited. My dad's uh, he just turned fifty years old, so you're you you were one of the, the the one of his favorite Carolina basketball players whenever he was you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old. So um, he was pretty excited. Um, and, and and I'm excited to to talk about uh, to talk about you, talk with you because you know you former Carolina basketball player, 
Now you're filling in um, in the game analyst role on the Tar Heel Sports Network with Eric Montross. And I know that the circumstances that have allowed you to, to fill on, to take on that role, aren't the most desired. But, um, you know, you had the chance to, to, to be on the, the call for the season opening win over Radford just a little over a week ago. What stood out to you about seeing the Tar Heels that close in person? Well, first of all, I appreciate it. My uh, my fan base, you've hit on it, is about 50 years and older. Uh, <laughs> that's my sweet spot. Um, I, I got the call, uh, uh, the connection with, with uh, Chuck uh, Schrader over there at, at Learfield, and he, he kind of brought up the, the situation with, with Eric and how he wouldn't be able to uh, to work this year in that, in that capacity. And uh, to be honest, Josh, I, I was saying yes before I knew I was getting myself into um Never had done any any kind of radio work at all. Um, been to tons of games, uh, but I tell you what, one of the, one of the best perks uh, besides being able to to do the do the job for Eric is, is being down there on press row on that scores table um, and, and see some of that stuff firsthand. You know, it's been, it's been quite a while since I've been on the court for a game uh, and, and seeing some of these guys down there uh, in, in close close proximity. Um, seeing the coaching staff, seeing the other the other coaches, seeing all the action. You know, getting getting to hear some of the referees. Uh, banter. It, it, it's really been enjoyable for me, uh, and it's been. I never would have imagined it uh, that I would do this or, or come to this point in my life, but I really enjoy it. Well, I mean, I, I got to tell you. I mean, I'm sure you're aware. Many Carolina fans they grew up listening to the game on the radio with the TV volume down, and even in today's world, we have the ability to sync our radios with our TVs. I'm one of those guys that will turn down the TV, turn up Jones, usually Eric, but you were on the call the other night. And I got to tell you, you sounded you sounded like a natural. Sounded like you've been doing it for a long time. So you've said that you know, this was the first time you, you ever done such a thing. Was, was broadcasting something you were ever interested in? Because a lot of players, when they get done with their playing days, you see them transition into the broadcasting world. Did that ever cross your mind, or was this just something that kind of just happened? You know that's a great question. Um, it just happened, and, and I had thought about it, like like most probably former athletes thought about, you know, what else can I do in sports? And it, it crossed my mind. I I just never thought about uh, it actually becoming a reality. And, and the, funny enough, you know, I, I grew up in and played in a time with Woody Durham, and uh, I had I don't think I've ever heard a Carolina broadcast on the radio. Um, so I was the opposite of you uh, as far as turning into the radio. I was pretty much always going to watch it on TV, and I never even considered. Uh, for some reason, putting on the radio. So I, I, I had nothing to base any any of my uh, my pregame prep on. I, I had never thought about radio. I never heard a radio broadcast. I, I found myself googling, you know, radio commentary. You know, some of the do's and don'ts. And and I know it's different than basketball on TV because you got to kind of paint a picture. And thank goodness I got to work with Jones and and, and uh, Dave Nathan over there. Those guys were outstanding uh, doing their job, and they made it really easy uh, for me to do it. But uh, I tell you what, I, I wasn't nervous. I was a little anxious getting started, uh, and I heard a couple of people tell me uh, that it just sound pretty natural. Um, but if you ask me how I did, I, I really have no nothing to base it on. And I'm saying that as long as I keep coming back, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> but, but I have I have nothing to base anything on. It's just been fun getting through it. Well, you mentioned Woody Durham. This was a guy that was known for his legendary prep. He was the most prepared broadcaster maybe in the history of the industry. He had a chance to mentor the guy you're working alongside with now, Jones Angel, who's been the voice of the Tar Heels for going on a little bit over a decade. What stands out to you about the play-by-play man that Jones Angel is? 
You know, uh, I've known Jones a little bit from our podcast interviews, and, and I love him and, and Adam on there. Those guys are amazing. And it, but it's a whole different skill set when you're talking about play-by-play, and, and, and they just, they're just nonstop. And they're nonstop with, with calling the play, but they're also nonstop with the facts and, and, and the information they're putting out there. It is, it is a job that I, I don't think I considered before how, how much of a, a professional you have to be to, to prep yourself to know the information. And then, and then when you're on the air, you know, you're just kind of live and, you, and you're going through the stuff and, I've been super impressed. You know, I, I have heard some Woody broadcasts now, and I've heard uh, Jones side by side, and, and Dave Nathan as well. Those guys are—that's a skill set that I don't know many people know how demanding and challenging it is to do a play-by-play radio game. Uh, it, it's really impressive. Well, you know, we we, we can't talk about uh, your role without without mentioning Eric Montross because you know there's a quartet of you guys. Uh, re- replacing him, and you're the only one that were that that was a teammate with with, with Eric Montross. Uh, you, you y'all y'all crossed paths for one season in Chapel Hill. Do you have a favorite story that you can tell us from your playing days with the former Carolina big man? Well, I do, and I have a great soft spot in my heart for for the big fella. As as you said, we he came in my last year with that big recruiting class, and. And, you know, he's just been – I've had so much time with him over the years, but it's been such a, a pleasure to get to know him as a, as a person as well as an athlete. He, he, you've heard the great accolades. He's just a great guy all around, and and, and, I, and that's impressive enough. Um, one of the funniest things I remember was uh, that back in the day, um, I don't think I was ever known for, for, for my hair. I won't know if I was known for anything, but I surely wasn't known for my haircut. <laughs> But if you remember, a big fella came into school with with the haircut that the really the tight crew cut, um, and that was kind of a staple. You know, really, really short hair. And then uh, somewhere around his, I think freshman after freshman sophomore year, he started growing it out. And someone asked him, and he said he he wanted his hair to be like Pete Chilcutt. And I was like, what the what the heck is going on here? That is that is uh, that's a bad look. Um, and and I think he realized it pretty soon because he went back to the crew cut. But uh, there's something wrong in the world when people are basing their haircuts after mine. Uh, although I have, I have to say, some of my com- my compatriots now at my age don't have any hair left, and I still got some some locks left. But uh, that was my funny Eric story. Uh, he was a great, great, big, big, banging body coming in out of out of Indiana. Such a talent, but he was always so eager to learn and, and, and play behind and, and play with uh, during my first my last year there. So I, I got I got lost. Great memories of the big fella. You mentioned you've done the interviews uh, with the Carolina Insider Podcast, which is a great podcast. I myself, uh, as a podcast host, am a listener and a subscriber to it. Um, and through that, Eric got the nickname Big Grits from from a story whenever they were going through, I believe it was a 2017 NCAA tournament run. Do you find yourself referring to Eric Montross as Big Grits like many Tar Heel fans do? You know, you know, I don't. Um, I, I do know the story now, uh, and it's a great nomica and na- uh, you know, kind of a name for him. Uh, and it's, it's a great way to end all the podcasts. Um, I, I still call him E Double. That was my nickname for back in the day when he was Eric plus his double zero or zero. So uh, he, he's always uh, again. I don't. I don't think I would call him Big Grit to, to when I'm talking to him. I might <laughs> refer to him as Big Grit talking to other people, but. Uh, that's a pretty awesome nickname, uh, and, and it's been been something that seems like it's stuck. And I hear there, there's like big grit sightings all around the country with his with his uh, posters and pictures. So uh, it's pretty pretty impressive. 
let's transition now into to what we're seeing so far on the court. Carolina is 2-0 and uh, with two impressive wins over Radford and Lehigh. They're back in action this Friday against UC Riverside. What has stood out to you the most about Carolina's 2-0 and start? Well, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Carolina man through and through, uh, and I've been out of the the state for so many years. So I'm I moved back into the into North Carolina last summer. So I've been going to all every single home game and a couple of away games, and uh, and being down there this year on the court. Um, the thing that stood out to me is is first and foremost the amount of of ball movement that we're seeing now. It's almost a throwback uh, to about three four years ago, or any time during the Coach Smith era where but that ball was just zipping around, and and I think we got a little bit too uh, too too into the, the the create create your own shot or create for others off the dribble. Over the last couple of years, where guys were were catching it and putting the ball on the floor first, and and then looking to pass. I think if you watch the game, these guys are just the ball coming around. They're looking for open players, but they're driving with an idea that they're going to get a better shot for someone else, not something for themselves. So that that's been the biggest thing. And the assist numbers have backed that up. They got. I think 18 assists and then 11 assists or something in the second game. They're, they're throwing the ball around. I think that that's the biggest thing I've seen. The the uh, the depth looks really good. I like the way the uh, the pieces are going to be able to fit together. I don't think we quite know uh, who's going to get the majority of those. But I think it, in the first couple of games, it's been proven that, that a lot of guys can contribute um, game to game. they got a lot of different pieces. Uh, I love the experience of the transfers. I love the young guys. Um the best thing I think I've seen about this team so far is that they're they're kind of underrated in the sense of uh, nationally. I don't think there's much expected of them. Um, I think with that quiet kind of determination and just get the job done and, and, the, and the leadership on this team, that we can surprise a lot of people this year. You mentioned the transfers, and Carolina is starting three of them, and Cormac Ryan, uh, Paxson Wojcik, and then Harrison Egram. Which transfer so far, in your opinion, has made the biggest impact? Well, yeah, I went to some practices, and that that was impressive itself. I remember uh, one of those practices, Harrison Ingram and and um, Withers from Louisville were just going at it, and it was it was hard. And you think, gosh, did, do they like each other? And then ten minutes later, they're kind of joking around. But those those two guys on the wing, I think the wing the wing position has gone from, and I'm not going to ever say that it was it was weak with Leaky Black, but it was just different. It was just a different position that was filled by Leaky. Um, these guys, if you throw Cormac in as maybe a 2-3 with, with uh, Ingram and, and Withers, uh, that's, that's a huge, uh, huge different uh, position-wise we, that we can challenge people with our scoring, with our driving. I think the first, the only player I'd say that really has stood out is, is Harrison Ingram with not only the fact that he can make some shots, but he's rebounding, he's playing solid defense, he's, he's driving to the basket, and uh, he's been consistent. Like, obviously, two games in, you don't really know how consistent he's going to be, but but you just get the sense that he's going to be there for us all year, and, and I think those like one of the best pickups, uh, pickups we've made. We're talking with uh, Pete Shilcutt, former Carolina basketball player. You can catch him filling in on the Tar Heel Sports Network uh, throughout the basketball season. Armando Baycott uh, in the first two games has established himself as the focal point of the offense. 23.5 points, 16.5 rebounds so far through the first two contests. What 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 looks different in your eyes? Because I, you know, he's lost ten to fifteen pounds. He's in he's in better shape. To me, he looks like he has better bounce, getting better positioning, getting better or finishing better at the rim. Are you seeing the same things? And if so, what is allowing him to be the dominant force on both ends so far for the Tar Heels? 
Yeah, you know, you know, he's he's been such a dominating force. You know, at, at some point, you got to ask, like, what else can he do? What else can he add? And uh, I would say that what I've seen this year is is the body looks similar. You know, similar. He's always been pretty pretty well put together. I think he's smarter this year. I think he's really smart now. I think some of the stuff you're seeing, and part of it is that the plays are running. But you know, some of the stuff that has been a little struggle is when he catches it. Uh, on the standstill, and he has to kind of create his own stuff. That becomes sometimes a, a double team or a four shot. But if you notice now, he's really doing some work early, and by the time he gets it, he's already done most of the work, and he's gone up with a, a pretty easy or a, a closer shot that he's able to score on. Uh, I like the fact that he's being go that they're going to him a lot. I, I'm a big fan, even though it's kind of a, a lost art of going inside first. A lot of players don't have a Baycott on their team that can score inside. So if, if you got somebody like that who's going to give you 25, 24 points inside, they're going to have to react to that. And when, when they come down and double, if we got the shooters that we had this year, I think that's going to sell some, uh, so a lot of opportunities for our guys on a perimeter. And it all starts, though, you got to go to big fella, you know, if not every time down the floor most times just just to go inside out it's so much more effective so i'm a, I'm a big fan of that and i think he's looking he's looking in in top shape for like you know mid-season but he's also looking like he's figured out a few things on positioning and where to catch the ball where he's most effective himself elliot cadeau arrived with high expectations after reclassifying to enroll in, in college one year early so far, has he lived up to to the hype of the expectations that this fan base had for him upon enrolling? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think the fan the fan base <laughs> is going to go is going to go with the the, the overhyped view every single time. They know he's highly rated, so they probably had never seen him play. He comes in and they're expecting this guy to come in and score twenty points. If you watch him, the most impressive thing to me is I've seen him in practice as well is that he can, he could go out there and, and probably score 20 if he wanted to. But you just don't get the sense that that's the top priority for him. He wants to create. He's also being a little bit, I think, tentative right now. Uh, he was been way more aggressive in the practice that, I, that I, I've seen this year. So I think it's a matter of time before he gets a little bit more comfortable uh, being a little bit more aggressive. You know, pick his spots. Um, I think he's going to get opportunities. And, and it, it's just a pleasure to see that he's kind of not forcing things right now. And not, and not worrying about those expectations. I think he has a big, a really good head on his shoulders as far as what he wants to do, what kind of player he is. And, uh, and I think some of those expectations, uh, I think are a little bit out there as far as what they expect him to do. I think he's going to be a top pick. Um, but he's not going to be the guy that goes out there and, and shoots 20 games, 20, 20 times a game right now. I think he could average a double-double uh, with assists if he wanted to, if he got enough time on the court and enough opportunities. But uh, right now, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. But I think he's very smart, and I love how he started the season. You mentioned more time on the court. There have been some in the fan base and um, some in the media that are confused as to why uh, a transfer from Brown by the name of Paxson Wojcik is starting over a five-star reclassified freshman that's going to be a lottery pick in next year's NBA draft. Do you think it's only a matter of time before Cadeau cracks the starting lineup? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for, for any coach that coaches in college. They, they definitely earn that spot, and I have a lot of respect for the Carolina coaching staff. I, I My only guess is that it's a size issue. You know, If you have a, a six-footer and a six-one mm-hmm. guy in the backcourt, that's pretty small. Um, 
I, I don't know that he, if he cracked the lineup, I don't know more importantly that it matters to him. Like I'm not, I'm not seeing any body language or any issues. He, he seems like a, a good old fashioned Carolina freshman that's just going to do what coach tells him and, and be happy about it. Uh, does he have the talent to start? Absolutely. I think it's more of a, of a, of a, a strategic thing right now. Uh, and by no means do I think it's hurting the team. Um, I think games I've seen, he's come in around the 16 minute mark. Um, I think that's going to work itself out. And, and I have, I have uh, seen all these guys practice. There's no one that, that's been playing that doesn't deserve to be out there. And I think as Coach Smith used to say to us, like it's not really who starts the game, it's who, who, who finishes the game. So if we get to some close games uh, down the stretch, I think we know who's going to be out there uh, on the court, or at least we have a good, a good idea right now. Um, so I, I think that's something that will work itself out. I got a few more for you, Pete, and I'll let you go. One of the the, the, the few criticisms that Huber Davis has endured during his first two-plus years as Carolina's uh, head coach was the inability to develop the rotation that you typically see from you know an ACC school, let alone the Blue Blood program that Carolina is. But through two games, you know, he's played nine guys, double-digit minutes. The other day he was a minute away from playing ten guys, double-digit minutes. Do you think that the, 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 the rotation and the depth is going to continue on as the season and the schedule heats up first in the, in the non-conference season and as we get into ACC play? I think I think it will. Um, I think what I what we see this year a little different than, than the previous couple of years is is the guys that we have uh, lost were were younger players and we've replaced them with guys that have proven experience on the court as we talked about earlier those, those wing transfers. Um, the, some some of these guys have been done pretty good things at other schools, so there's there's not really a doubt of can they perform at this level or, or can they can they get some minutes on the court. And I, I just, you know, you, you just don't know what goes on on the court last couple of years. I, I know one thing, there there was some potential out there, uh, but I don't know if that potential ever earned those, the minutes that people are talking about. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to move on from that and, and move on to this year. What, what you mentioned, I think it's going to continue. I think depth is, is a thing every coach would want, and I think there's, there's not only depth that he has, but there's depth that, that he can trust down the stretch. So uh, I look forward to continue. I, I think I was looking at the roster one day. I, I was thinking there's probably six or seven guys that might lead this team in scoring at any point this year. Um, there's a lot of talent out there that can do a lot of things. So I think we'll see that continue. Not only did you play with Eric Montross, you also played with the guy who's now the head coach of Carolina basketball, that being Huber Davis. Do you have a favorite story that you can share about the current head coach of the Tar Heels? Oh, that's a tricky question. Now, uh, I still I still rely on my tickets from Coach Davis, so um, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything that would put my my relationship in jeopardy. Um, oh, lordy! Um, I not only did I did I play with Hubert, but I lived with Hubert my senior year. So um, we lived out in Carborough, and uh, I would just say that. Uh, we had a we had a pretty fun relationship. We lived with a, a former manager as well named Justin Corral, um, and us three got into all kinds of trouble. But Hubert was always a, a, a fun and a, and a great guy to live with. So um, I, I don't think I'm gonna go down. I'm not gonna take that bait on any stories other than uh, he he was a he was a great roommate. If you think he's he seems like a great person, just like uh, Big Grits, I mean he really is. Uh, the thing that that you might not realize about Coach Davis is he's also a, a, a battler and a competitor and fiery. If, if you got a chance to see a practice, 
you would see you would see a lot of things that uh, that would surprise you. He gets angry. He yells. I think I even heard him cuss. He he would never cuss before. He, wow. He, he wants to win, he wants to win really bad. Um, and and people always don't see that when they see him in his interviews. He's so nice. Uh, he gets after those guys. So uh, you don't make it in the NBA for I think twelve years like he did if you, if you don't fight and claw and, and to do everything you can to win. So. Uh, he's a competitor. Uh, he's a great roommate, a, a great friend of mine still, and uh, I think he's doing a great job and, and will continue as long as, as, uh, as he has Carolina blood going through his veins. You might not have taken this bait, but I've got to ask you this. Um, I've, I've had the chance to talk to a bunch of former guys that played for Coach Smith. Matt Doherty, Larry Miller are two names that come to mind. Do you have a Coach Smith impression that you feel comfortable uh, uh, trying out for us today? <laughs> I, I, I do. It, it's going to be bad, especially on the radio, and it comes with a kind of a funny story. Um, so, as you know, I, I redshirted my first year. So I came in, um, and I was uh, on the on the same class with uh, with Scott Williams, J.R. Reed, and Jeff Denny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Coach Smith came up to me one day. He's like, you know, uh, you got you got Joe Wolf, Dave Popson, you got Scott Williams, and J.R. He goes, you might want to consider redshirting. And uh, you talk, think about it. And so I, I ended up redshirting. Uh, Coach Smith is always big on on seniority, as you may remember or know. So uh, big, big on seniority. So one day at practice, this is my red shirt year. He brings the team together. He's like, "All right, guys, we're going to do some some kind of to begin the practice. We're going to either do this drill or this shooting drill over here." He goes, "What do you What do you guys want to start with?" And I'm I was a big like I was like I want to do the shooting. I just yelled it out. And he looked at me, and this is this is where the impression comes in. He goes. King, you're not even a freshman. You're lower than a freshman. You have no say so. And I and I, he said it with his Coach Smith's little voice, and and all the guys on the team started laughing. It was it was humiliating but funny at the same time. Uh, and he kind of put me in my place. You know, there there's the seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. And I wasn't even I wasn't even a freshman at that point. So uh, that that was my Coach Smith impression. Probably not a very good one. I apologize. But uh, it was uh, it was the uh, he was the most important man in my life, and at that point, uh, put me in my place. I gotta say, of all the guys that I've I've asked to do a Coach Smith impression, yours yours is up there. Um, I, no one will probably ever top. You know, you know, you know, Coach Williams maybe has the best because you know he, he probably imitated him the most. But uh, that was pretty good. I got a few more, and I'll let you go. I promise. Um, you mentioned you're okay. a Carolina man through and through. Um, I, I, I asked Marcus Ginyard this when I talked with him earlier in the week. As a former Carolina basketball player, what did you make of Caleb Love, who, as we all know, transferred out of the program? He's now at Arizona. What did you make of him saying that he's a Tar Heel for life after he helped Arizona upset Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium last weekend in front of Coach K? You know, uh, that, that's a great question. Um, I, lo- I love I love what Caleb Love did for our program. And, and I'm also probably put myself in one of those guys that sat by the TV and sometimes would, would yell at the TV and say, yo, Caleb, what are you doing? But you know what? When you, when you come to Carolina and you, and you commit and you play for as long as he did, this, this 100%, he, he's a Carolina man. Um, in my mind, I, I watched that game, and I don't usually watch Duke play unless Carolina's playing them. And I watched that game, and, and 100%, I was cheering for, for Caleb to do well. Um, 
I, I don't buy into the people who thought he was a, a cancer or a bad, bad, bad for this team. Um, you, you can't put it all on his shoulder. There's a lot of different things going on the last couple of years. Um, I, I love Caleb Love. I love what he put on his shoes. Um, and and I, I will say this. Uh, once you're in our family, um, the only way you could probably get out of the Carolina, Carolina family, like if he had transferred to Duke, then yeah, he's gone. <laughs> but other, other than that, like you're, once you're in our family, you're in our family. Like I expect, I expect him to come back for any events that we have or reunions or be in the area. Like I, I, I just think he's part of the family. I'm not one of those guys that will throw you out uh, for any reason. He, he did some great things for us. Uh, and I think that will never change. The last question for you, I have Pete, is this is the uh, the, the Carolina's got one more tune-up game before they go to the Bahamas next week for the battle for Atlantis. What are you most excited to learn about this team? And I got to ask, are you going on the trip? Well, you know, uh, it's funny uh, when when I was asked what games I was available to do, um, I told them every single game this season I'm available besides the Hawaii trip. I had already made some plans with my family. <laughs> So I'm gone during that week, and, and, and as it turns out, I, I probably would have got that game because no one's available for that game for those games in Hawaii in in, uh, in the Bahamas. Um, we'll just we'll I'm just not, send them my information, and, and I'll go to, I'll go in everyone's place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, exactly. I'm, I'm my next game is is uh, the the Tennessee game, so I will do that on the 29th. Um, and and I I just look forward to you know doing the games. I look forward to I went to the last game you know as a, just as a fan. Um, as I said, I'll be there either working or watching every single game, and I will do some uh, some road games. Uh, I think on the schedule they haven't scheduled too far out right now, but um, again, I'm just happy to do it, happy to help out, and hopefully, I get a little bit better every time. Well, Pete, we're 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 certainly uh, excited to to watch you and then listen to you uh, as you continue to grow and in, in, in this role, you've you've done a fantastic job so far, um, and we 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 expect that to continue as the season moves along. And uh, I just want to thank you for for carving some time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy man to come on and talk a little Carolina basketball with me today. No problem, Josh. I will be happy at any other point to do the same. I, I enjoy these podcasts and I enjoy talking Carolina. So. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. All right, Pete. We'll, we'll talk later, okay, my man? All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. There you go, guys. That is That, that was the voice of Pete Chilcutt, a former Carolina basketball player uh, that, of course, you now hear on the radio, on the Tar Heel Sports Network, um, and a really uh, a fun interview. I was excited for this one. Um, like I said, he was one of my favorite players that my – my dad grew up loving as a Carolina basketball fan, um, and so that that was kind of neat for me to interview a dude that, you know, when my dad was was my age a while ago, he 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 loved watching uh, play for for Carolina. So um, great great stuff from him, and we have that relationship now that we'll be able to go back to him as the season moves along. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, uh, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where we'll have you covered for the UC Riverside matchup. There will be a preview of the game as well as a recap of the game as uh, as Carolina plays their final tune-up uh, before they go to the Bahamas next week um, and, and, and compete in the Battle for Atlantis. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. 
That way you don't miss any game preview, any game recap, or any interview like this one with Pete Chilcutt. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Pete Chilcutt once again for joining me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.